My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're paramedics unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics unscripted. Welcome back into Paramedics Unscripted. My name is Jason, and I'm here with my co-host, Bobby, for episode number 10. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Jason, is that you? <laughs> that is. <laughs> What's going on, What's man? What's up, man? Well, uh, we want to first apologize to the listeners again. We both have jobs, uh, so scheduling sometimes becomes a little bit of an issue, but we got it down now, and we're back. Man, quit making excuses. That's true. Okay, sorry. Um, we were just slackers, and we didn't want to do it. But um, but uh, we're back now. I'm just kidding. Um, we're back now, and we are coming today with uh, some important PSA announcements to start off the show. Um, you want me to get into mine first? Yeah, man, go for it. All right, cool. So uh, this weekend, um, I went with a I went on a hike with my wife, um, and I just want to start off by saying uh, if you have a car, which I'm hoping most of you do, or a truck or something like that, go ahead and get your spare key located and or get one made if you don't have one already. Um, cause my, we lost our car key, um, in the woods on a hike, uh, went back multiple times, kept looking for it, obviously couldn't find it and eventually had to, uh, get the car towed long story short to, uh, the Toyota dealership. And then wait, wait, hold up, hold pay up, hold out up. the ass to get another car. Hold up. Re- rewind for a second. <laughs> um, where's the spare key, bro? Well, that's a touchy situation. Um, we keep our keys in a certain location in our house, in a drawer. Um, right. Uh, my keys are there, for instance. Uh, my spare keys, I mean, when I'm talking about keys. Uh, and also my real keys, like when I, I put them in there every time I'm done with them. Um, my wife puts her keys like on the counter, stuff like that, like when she gets home near a purse or whatever. Um, and right. their spare keys used to be there, uh, but they're not currently. And... We don't know where they are. I don't touch her spare key, so I have no idea. I don't know if she moved them at some point, but either way, we tore this house apart this weekend. Um, we were going to try to record possibly this weekend or you know whatever too, and, and that debunked all that because this was a crisis because now we have a vehicle that's at a park. It can't be really left there for too long because the cops get all crazy about that kind of stuff and they might want to tow it. So after two days of going back and looking for it and trying to buy even a metal detector and stuff to see if we could find it, we it just... Long story short, we couldn't find it. We had that vehicle towed, and it uh, looks like it's going to be about a $400 mistake by the time everything's done. How long was it? Like, how large was this trail? Like, how long was the trail? Uh, the trail goes, my, I mean, it's probably total five miles or six miles or something like that. We did not do the five or six miles. We, we had our dogs with us, so we went, right. I'm going to say a mile up, maybe three quarters of a mile up, a mile up, something like that, and then a mi- whatever that is back. You know, so let's say we, we did half mile, half mile to a mile up, half mile to a mile back because we were doing a short hike because because I had to work that night. Um, and we just want to give the dogs some exercise, go out in nature, have some fun. And uh, it turned out to be a quite adventurous night and then adventurous next Sunday morning when we got up at the butt crack of dawn going out there. First light when the park opens back up to go back out there and walk the trail again, the part that we walked again, do that again, obviously this time without the dogs, see if we could find it. You know, it's, it's the woods, there's leaves, stuff like that. So you're trying to see if. We could figure it out and we couldn't figure it out. So 
Yeah, so that was my yeah. uh, my debacle this weekend. So how was your expense. weekend? That's an expense that no one likes to uh, endure. Yeah, yeah, I've <laughs> never, I've never nowadays had when it comes to you know, I mean, no disrespect towards you know a lot of these dealerships out there, but they you know charge an arm and a leg just for the you know the smallest thing. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it's what is it? What is like? I was to say, is it like two to three hundred dollars a key, and then it costs like another hundred and fifty bucks to get a program, which takes about two seconds. Yeah, these are these are the, the my wife has like an older car, like a two thousand thirteen. So her key is one of the normal like I call them the dumb keys or analog keys, where it's like a key, and then and then on the key is the little you know open unlock the doors, lock the doors, you know that kind of stuff. So it's but it's all one key. There's no separate fob or anything like that. She does not have a push button start. Um, so it's what I call like the dumb keys or whatever. Um, and even that one's 200 bucks for the key and, uh, for one key, key singular, uh, 200 bucks for a key and then uh, 148 for them to program it. So, uh, right. and that's at the dealership, you know? So, um, and we looked at like aftermarket keys, uh, as well. Um, they're cheaper. Like my wife found one on Amazon for like 40 bucks. Um, but the problem is they will, they will definitely try to program that for you. If you bring them that, uh, is what they told me. And they'll, right. you have to pay the just the 148, then you don't have to buy the key. Um, but then if they try to program and it doesn't work, then that's it. And then that you have to then buy the key and then pay for that key to be programmed. So they're still going to charge you the programming, whether it works or not, because they still have to have the technician go through all the steps to do it and all this stuff. So it seems like quite a racket there, but I'm also glad in defense too, that it's not a, um, like a smart key, like one of those really, really smart key ones, you know, because well, those you know, are more expensive and stuff like that. So also, also real, real quick with my PSA, when you buy a new car, you get, uh, at least with my, like I have a forerunner. Uh, when you, when you get a car, you get the car key, you get the spare key, and then usually you get a valet key. Um, and then on that little key ring, you also have this little silver, little rectangles, little mini thing. Um, and it's got five numbers on it. You need to keep that. Um, because that is your key code to, for, the, for them to make you another key. And then they have right. to still program it, but they, they can make the key right off that um, without having that because my wife um, doesn't know where any of that is because it was all on one key ring. Um, <laughs> that's why we had to have it towed there versus the other way you could be like, hey, I own this car. Here's my ID. Da, da, da. They can look all that up. You show them your driver's license, whatever. And then here's the key code. And then they can just make it real quick. And then it, 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 you don't have to be go to the I mean, you still have to go to the dealer to pick it up and stuff like that. But you don't have to bring your car there and go through all that part of it. So it saves you that hassle, you know. So, hey, let me ask you something. Yeah, what's up? And I'm probably going to piss off a lot of wives out there, but I'm going to say it anyway. Aside from that, do you ever have a problem with your wife literally taking the gas tank down to almost literally nil before she goes and fills it back up? Uh, to be honest, uh, no. My wife, okay. is. Uh, she, she has her car. I have my car. Um, so, so basically she fills hers up like by her, you know, she's a big girl. She can do it by herself. Um, and, and I do mine by myself, of course. Um, so she's pretty good with that. I mean, she's not dumb enough to like, I don't, I shouldn't have said dumb enough necessarily, but, but she's not, (laughs) you're 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 walking me into quicksand. I like it. Um, she's, yeah, she's smart enough to know that like, you don't want to leave, like you don't need to be going to work with like less than a quarter of a tank or something like that. Just because if you know, where we live, it's not like there's no big storms here or anything like that, really. But you still don't want to, like, chance it or have any sort of problem like that. We don't have a lot of traffic and stuff like that. But, right. yeah, you want, you want to keep it filled up. Like, for last night, for instance, for my truck, my truck was down to, because uh, we were doing driving back and forth all this weekend, doing this, dealing with this nonsense. Um, and I was down to a hair under, like, a quarter. 
Um, so I went and filled it up last night for her, um, just so that at least she has a fresh tank for, you know, I don't know how long this is going to take. Hopefully they can get it fixed today, maybe tomorrow, whatever. We'll figure it all out. But um, that's where we're at right now. Well, I will say one thing I will say, and this is coming from somebody who before I was in fire and EMS, I worked in automotive for a long time. And uh, one thing I will say, there are certain things you do have to go to the dealership. You have no choice to get done or parts that you can only specifically get at the dealership. But if you can get it done anywhere else besides the dealership, most likely you're going to get it done for a fraction of the price. Right. You know, in most places, I'm not saying in all situations, but that's just, it's always been that way. So if you can alleviate the dealership, do it. Yeah. Because you're always going to, you're always going to, you're always going to be charged the dealership price you know, for anything that you have to have done to your vehicle. You know, like I said, that being said, there are certain things that you have to have done at the dealership, like, for instance, your situation, Jason, where you have to have, you know, new keys, new key fobs, you know, programmed and purchased. I mean, you can only do that at the dealership. Well, I, I, or, I, mean, I don't know. I've watched stuff on now, now, like, today, as we move forward this stuff, I have seen you might be able to do that with, like, a locksmith, too, but I don't know. Like they're not the, the if you go to like a locksmith that can do that kind of stuff, they can make keys like they have the trucks they can bring around and stuff like that. They're not probably gonna have that key just randomly in stock necessarily. So they're gonna have to order it and do all this other stuff, whereas the dealership's gonna have it. So it's somewhat of a convenience too, because like when I talk to them today, they have one in stock. So But as far as programming the chip. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, they, they was... can do that on the videos I saw, some of them can do that. Like some of those guys can do that that are like the locksmith companies. So I don't know, but with this situation, my wife wanted to just t- do it at the dealership. That way, it's it's right, it's correct, right. it's one time, it's one and done. If there's any problems with it whatsoever, obviously Toyotas are every Toyota like dealerships are everywhere, um, so you'll never have an issue with that, you know, in the in the in the future or anything. So that's right. cool. I mean, I respect that, and I agree with you. Like, I, I just got my wife recently um, to go to third party like maintenance shops, right? Because um, she's mm-hmm. always been a person like, oh, I was just taking to the dealer, you know. And I was like, oh, no. that's great. I mean, the dealers are great. Like our dealership here is all, their service department's awesome. And they're really nice and they're friendly and they, they don't rip you off. And they're like, you know, whatever. I mean, you could arguably say they're ripping you off, but they're, they're, you know, they're, they're being nice with stuff and they don't like try to find hidden stuff that you don't really need to have done or anything like that. But yeah, I was trying to tell her, I was like, yeah, you're paying so much more than if you just go to these like, you know, third party companies that are out here. Like I was, I was back when I lived in Virginia, I was a merchants guy. So I used to go to merchants all the time and I love those guys. Um, and they were not a dealership, obviously. So it was everything was cheaper there, you know. Yeah, I, and that's like when it comes to general mechanic, you know, mechanical, you know, situations. You know, like there are certain parts you're gonna have to get a dealership. Like if right. it's certain paneling, certain you know, certain you know, original parts that you can only get ordered or buy at the dealership. But like if you have to have, you know, especially if you're a three year whatever how many mile warranty runs out you know if you had a brand new car yeah and and then at that point you're pretty much unless it's you know you know with anything that was normally covered on the warranty now you're paying for since the warranty's gone you know if it like say it comes to like you know alternator change water pump you know radiator drivetrain anything like that i would go if you can find a mechanic or a shop that you trust outside you know the dealership do it because people just think that, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, you know, a better deal or I'm going to get treated better if I just go to the dealership because they know more about my make and model. It's like, yeah, they may, but they're going to charge you like three times the price a lot of times. Yeah. 
for the smallest job. And that's what people don't realize. I'm, I'm not saying everybody because a lot of, I mean, there are some people out there that don't they just they don't know. Yeah. You know, they they've they've always been used to going to the dealership. They don't realize that you're also paying a lot more because you're doing that in, in a lot of cases. Well, in some places and, that's, and sometimes it's that's, it, it's competitive too. Like the our, yeah. our Toyota dealership here, we have a lot of like third party uh thing you know, uh, maintenance garages and stuff like that. So it is somewhat comparable in price. It's not that much more at dealerships for some of the stuff because they know that you, they all know too, that you can go down the street and get it done here, you know, at whatever, whatever you're trying to get done, oil change or tire rotation or whatever. They can do all that stuff at all these places too. So, right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. So and it's just, it's just, you can save you if you can alleviate the dealership, do it for whatever it is. Do it because you're going to save yourself money. Yeah. I use the dealership for obviously buying the car. If you're buying a new car. Um, and then I use it, like you said, for any sort of maintenance that's covered under a warranty, whether you have an extended right. warranty or, um, anything like that, I'm going to go to that stuff for that. But if it's like stupid stuff, like oil changes or stuff you can do yourself, like, you know, changing your filters and stuff like that's not hard to do. Right. You know? But yeah, I agree. I agree. My wife, no, my wife's of the kid. She likes to just like go there and have them do everything. You know, so it got to the point well, where like her with her, I was like, what are they doing on your, like, what are they specifically doing at this mileage interval that you're going in for? And she's like, and she would find out and she's like, yeah, they're doing this, this, and they're changing my cabin air filter, my air filter. And all. I was like, yeah, they're not doing any of that. Just tell them you want out of all those things, out of the five things you listed, tell them to do, if you want to do the oil change, just tell them to do the oil change and tell them to do this or whatever, the tie rotation, whatever, like do that. I'll do the other stuff. Like that's not, you're, you're paying someone all, you're paying this part like the filter an air filter which is half the time is like i know on my f-150 i had you literally opened into a drawer and took it out and put a new thing in drawer and closed drawer like that was the whole thing but they'll charge you like 40 dollars to install it you know right <laughs> so right like, they'll, yeah, they'll, do they'll charge you twice twice the amount of what the parts were right right you're still paying for the part on top of that yeah yeah and same thing with like, like if like in a lot of new vehicles a lot of especially a lot of suvs a lot of new vehicles you know your, your air filter air, the standard cost for a new air filter is going to be anywhere between 20 and 39 bucks yeah and a lot of these dealerships they'll charge you 60 bucks yep you know and it's just it's it's crazy and and like i said there are certain things that you have to go to the dealership for because you have no choice because that's the only place you're going to be able to get what you need or get it done but when it comes to a lot of standard you know mechanical maintenance go somewhere else yeah like bulbs you ever need like my wife's had a lot of bulbs need replacer collars like that is older so She's at that point where you're replacing some of that stuff. And I was like, and she like a couple of times she'll go, she's like, Oh yeah, they said my right tail light was out or whatever. Um, and, and so I just told them to do it. I was like, Oh, well, can you call them back and tell them not to like, did, or when did you talk to them? She's like, Oh, I talked to them like 30 minutes ago. I was like, oh, well, I mean, a lot of that not. stuff, yeah. a lot of that stuff, I know, and I know a lot of people don't want to take the time, but uh, a lot of that stuff is so easy. You can do it yourself. Oh, that's what, yeah. That's what I told her. Cause yeah. I was like, next time you have anything like that, tell me about it first, because I can go pick up the part, like a bulb or something for two or three bucks or, a headlight might be like 20, 40 bucks, depending on what kind you're buying, but you get all that stuff and you just literally turn something, pull it out, put it in, put it back in. It's like not, it doesn't take very long, you know? Yeah. And it saves you a ton of money over the time when you think about it. Cause I was like, wow, you just paid, you know, we'll go pick up the car. And I'm like, how much was that bill? She's like, well, it's 300, 400 bucks, whatever it was, you had a brake job or something like that. And you're like, okay, I'm not doing a brake job. I'm not one of those guys that can do that stuff or wants to do that stuff. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. But out of this, out of that 400, you could have saved yourself like a hundred dollars off. If I had done this, 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 which is easy to do. You can like buy the part on Amazon. It'll be in your house in two days. You can just put it in. It's not hard. Yeah, I was the guy at work that would, uh, you know, especially in the middle of the night, I'd pull one of the pieces of apparatus out of the bay, pull my vehicle in, do my brakes, be done with it, and no one even knew I did it. <laughs> Unless it was, you know, you know, busy that night and 
someone comes out for a call and they finds out that that particular piece of apparatus is sitting outside. <laughs> yeah, but it, that's also a little that is a definitely a benefit, especially like washing your car too at the firehouse. But but that's a benefit you have of something like that where if you live at your house, you might not have the luxury of being able to pull it in, you know, get it lifted up as much as you need for something. It might be harder for you to do. You might not have all the room for all the tools you need to do it really easy and efficiently. So that's why sometimes it's yeah, you like you said, there are things definitely for sure you do at the firehouse because you have all that stuff. And you have compressor lines and all that stuff, but um, yeah, different than you would at home necessarily. But yeah, I can tell you when I was in the fire department, my car was clean all the time. Because <laughs> you pull that, you pull any apparatus out of the way, and then you have your, you have your, you wash bay, or you can wash it right there. You have drains in the floor. It's oh like, yeah. You know, all the cleaners are provided because you're detailing your units all the time, so all that stuff's free to use, and the department doesn't care if you use it on your own cars, you know. Um, right, or I mean, like all my oil changes were done in the bay. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, but, all but my brake like, jobs, all my brake jobs, all my oil changes, you know, any, if, if I needed to change my water pump, you know, you know, belt changes, any, 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 you know, or standard tune up stuff like change the spark plugs or fuel filter, whatever. Yeah, that was all done in the bay. Yeah. So you're, you're a little, you're more advanced than I am with some of that stuff, but yeah, definitely. Like, well, that's what I used to, before I got into this line of work, that's what I used to do. Yeah. Know? Well, so, you, I mean, just, it, once you know how to do it, it's not that hard. It's just learning. You know, and now yeah, YouTube, you can watch all these videos of people doing it on your exact car, your exact like year model, your exact like everything. And you just watch the guy be like, oh, today we're going to change this. And you just watch him do it. Because there's times when I'm like, how the hell do I get to this light bulb? You know, or how do I get to this? Where the hell? You know, and then you look and the guy's like, oh, you just turn in here and there's this little compartment. And you're like, oh, oh, that was easy. You know, or you have to take this yeah, panel, panel off to get to something. And once you learn it, you're like, oh, that's not scary or hard to do. Right. I mean, granted, since I've been out of the game for such a long time, it's uh, there's so many changes, so many advancements to vehicles that I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I just, especially when it comes to, you know, all the the advancements in electronics. I mean, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, that, but, well, that's why they do it though. But they, they, you know, because in the right. old days, we all know this. Like in the old days, like with our parents' cars and stuff like that. I mean, the engine was in your engine housing, you know, block under your hood there, and there was so much room in there to like maneuver and do all this stuff and you could like easily get to everything you need to get to, to do whatever you're trying to do. Nowadays you look, you open an engine up and that thing's packed like to the gills with all sorts of stuff going on. And they do that purposely because they want you to take it to the dealership, you know, because they obviously want to get, you know, oh, yeah, but mo you know most dealerships station. will tell you they make more money at the service side than they do at the sales side, which is scary because you know how much they make at the sales side. Well, yeah. I mean, if you notice though, lately, I mean, especially over the past number of weeks now, um, with the disruption in the supply chain, look, go look at some of these dealerships. Their inventory is scarce. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost nil in some places because, uh, and it's not only because they can't get the vehicles here because of the supply chain disruption, but it's also, you know, because of the, uh, disruption in, you know, computer chips. Yep. And, um, it's, and of course, you know, a lot of people don't think it's as bad as it is, but it is. It's just, just you know, I just go. Anybody that's listening, go, go to your, you know, your, into your local town and where a lot of your dealerships are, and just, just look at the inventory. Look how, look how low it is. Yeah, well, that's it's, why they're they're uh, they're charging you. You can get so much. Like I had a, I don't know, it was like six months ago or a year ago, something like I don't remember exactly when. But I got an email from my dealership. Everybody gets these all the time, where they're like trying to buy your 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 vehicle that you bought. You know, for vehicle. more than what you paid for. Yeah, it, yeah, that, yeah, no, yeah. It's never like that normally. Normally, they're like, oh, no. we'll get you. Would you pay thirty? Like thirty for your car? Oh, we'll get you. We can get you easily twenty. No con no condition matter. Whatever, all that stuff. This time they're like, oh, would you pay like 
you know, 35 for your car or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we'll give you a 45 for it or 40 or whatever. And you're like, holy crap. But then you realize it's kind of like the housing market because it's all kind of the same thing. It's supply and demand stuff. You could sell your car and get more money for it. But then the new car you're going to buy, if you can find the new car in stock, like you just said, is also up-priced. Because I took, like, I have a, I have a 17 4Runner that I bought brand new. And now if I were to buy a 4Runner now, it's way more expensive than it was when I bought my 4Runner five years ago. Or four years well, ago. Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of like we'll, we'll use CarMax as an example. They, they specialize in used cars right now. Used cars right now, or since cars are in such demand, especially used cars. I mean, the 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 values have gone way up. Yeah. And for instance, my father, he's got a you know he's got a Toyota like you do. He's got a Rav a Rav Four. You know, fairly you know almost yeah. brand new. That's my wife. And um, yeah, and CarMax just sent him. Uh, you know, said, Hey, uh, this, you know, a deal, you know how they are. I mean, I've, I've sold plenty of cars with CarMax before, but in they're usually, they're usually very good as, as far as like blue book value, giving you what it's worth. And, um, uh, but they offered him more than what he paid for it two years down the road. Like, like it's, he's had it for two years. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, he's like, and that right there was a clue. It's like, wow. This really is a problem. Yeah, and that's, you know, yeah, yeah, if they're willing to do that, because CarMax not gonna CarMax is not gonna do that unless they're gonna make money on it as well. So if my dad is gonna make more money than pretty much from what he paid for it, and then they're gonna make money on top of that. Yeah, that shows you yeah, how much. Those, well, that shows you how much those new car, like new Rav Four of whatever whatever the current year would be when you're doing it. That new Rav Four, then think about how much more that is now to compensate oh. for the CarMax to make to give you such a high price or your dad such a high right. price and then for them to make money because they're not just going to lose money. That's not how that works. So they're going to charge two or 3000 more than they paid for that to make their little cut of it. And then that new price has to be, they can't have it be the used car be equal to the new price. Otherwise, no one would ever buy a used car. Why would you ever buy a used car if you could just buy the new for the same price or a $1,000 difference, you get a new car. Most people would take the new car at that point. Um, but so there has to be, you see what I'm saying? Like there's such a markup there. I, I That's a little tip I'll tell, tell too. Um, this is a little bit off subject, but, um, anytime I sell my car, like I want to buy a new car at a dealership or whatever. Um, and I know people say don't buy new cars, whatever, but I, I like buying new cars at dealerships. That's my thing, whatever. But, um, I always go to CarMax first with my trade-in and I get them to, you know, do an estimate, whatever. And they print you off that estimate that has a seven day window of guarantee on it. Um, and then I keep that in my pocket. And then I go to the dealership and of course go through, you know, they always tell you, obviously negotiate the car, price of your car first, get that where you want, and then talk about your trade and never do it out of order because otherwise you'll get, you'll get fucked. So um, then, and then when you get to the end, they'll say, okay, and yeah, now we'll do my trade in. And let's say they'll say, oh, your trade in's worth 10. And you have a thing in your pocket says it's worth 15. You're like, nah, I was kind of thinking, you know, 16, 17, whatever, play that game with them a little bit. And then at the very end, I've done this on with my, when I bought my, um, uh, my Charger RT Max. I played the game with them for a while and they kept lowballing me the stupid number. And then I was like, yeah, the deal's done, man. The deal is completely done. You just got to give me 19 or whatever it was for my truck or whatever it was. And they were like, no, the best we can do is 15. I was like, all right, well then we'll just have to call today. Cause I'll just go, I'll just go sell it somewhere else then. And they were like, well, you can't, right. you're not gonna be able to sell it for more than 15, sir. It's, it's not worth 19. And I was like, and at the very end I was like, oh, here it is. I have, and I dropped this piece of paper on the table and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to show you this. Here's my thing. And it's worth 19. And CarMax will give me 19 for it right now. It's good for seven days. I did this this morning on the way over here. And they're like, oh. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay, I talked to my boss. He can give us 19. I was like, yeah, so can CarMax. So now since you were jacking me around, <laughs> how about you give me 19.5? 
and we'll call it a day and we're done. Nothing else is changing. This is the deal. You do this now. And then they get, you get it that way because you, you put them in a corner, you know, right. So that's a little tip. So if you're ever going to sell your car, if you want to sell it to CarMax, that's fine. Nothing. I mean, CarMax great price, obviously, as I just said, but if you don't want to sell it to CarMax or you want to sell it there, but get it, you know, do that, at least get that paperwork in your hand. And then you're, you have that as good as gold for seven days. And then if you go to the dealership and they want to jack you around or whatever, go over to CarMax and, you know, sell it to them. They'll write you a check, you know? Then you can do what you right. want. Right. You know, and it, I think CarMax was great. When, they, when CarMax first came about, they were probably, I mean, they would give you pretty much the maximum of like the actual Blue Book value. Yeah, you can look they, at not, 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 the, not the Blue Book, you know, not the Blue Book dealership value, but the Blue Book value. Right. If you were to sell it yourself. Right. And now, since, you know, like I said, since, you know, used cars are in demand because of the supply chain disruption with especially getting new vehicles on these lots and stuff like that, I mean, uh, the, the deals are on again. I mean, they're willing to pay, give you more for your vehicles again. Yeah. Well, cause that's their whole thing too. Like, like, yeah. I mean, normal car dealerships have a used side and a, and a new side, but they can always, you know, if the new, if the used side is slowing down or the new side is slowing down, they can cover it on the other side with CarMax doesn't have new cars. As far as I know, uh, they have used cars. No, no, I'm not. No CarMax. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying CarMax when they, if you just want to sell your car. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're great. Say go look for no CarMax specializes used cars. That's all that I'm yeah. saying. The value of used cars have gone up. Oh, tremendously. Because yeah. look at these, the, the lots for the new cars. I mean, they're so scarce. I mean, you, you can't really get anything in a lot of these lots. And, and if you order something, it's going to take a while. You don't know how long it's going to take. Yep. Um, but and then CarMax and everybody's a lot of people are being forced to go to CarMax because they're probably the biggest used car you know dealership which is dependable. Yeah. And they're even running low now because the demand is so high. Yeah. And um, which you know, but uh, well, like I said, it's like the housing market, man. Because I do real estate, obviously. Like even though you can get a shitload for your house right now if you were to sell it in most in most uh, areas, it, that's great. If you already like, if you already have another house, or you have somewhere to stay, like a friend, a buddy, a family member, or whatever, or you already have a rental laid down that you want to do, or something like that, that's cool. But otherwise, you're going to be fucked on the other end because yeah, you'll make a big profit, but you're going to pay out the ass on the other side, and then eventually, when the market crashes, you're going to be fucked holding the stick, you know. So you got to be really careful with that stuff right now, and that's why I've had it with a lot of people in our area here, where it's just like, you know, they want to sell, but they're like, yeah, I don't have anywhere to go. And I don't blame you. I'd hold off then, you know, wait till the timing's right till everything kind of starts coming down a little bit where there's more housing available. Cause eventually it'll switch and there'll be a tons of houses available. Yeah. You'll get less for your house, but it'll in, in retrospect of everything, it'll end up being roughly the same. You know, well, I, I, that's what I said. I think it was probably about several podcasts ago where we were talking about real estate. Um, yeah. That's what my wife and I did uh, with our, the house that we lived in um, exactly a year ago. Uh, you know, we actually did it right before election day because we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And just the prices where we lived were just, I mean, were astronomical. I mean, they, they were just, you know, willing to pay anything for these homes and, uh, you know, no contingencies, which, you know, no homeowners inspection, nothing. I mean, the easiest sale you could possibly have. So then on top of that, most likely you would have a bidding more to where people would, you know, bid and pay more than what your asking price was yeah. just to, just to outbid one another. And we sold the, the house in a weekend and, uh, that was our goal. Cause it's like, it would be stupid. It's like, okay, we can sell this, but it's like, you're just going to dump it in a new, another properties where what's the point. And it's going to drop. You're going to lose all that. Right. Once the market drops, you're going to lose all that equity you just put in there. 
It's right. Fake. And it's, then it's funny money. Yeah. And exactly. And me, you know, being a real estate investor, that's, I'm just like, look, if we do this and my wife was in agreement, if we do this, what we're going to do is we're going to sell it, make the maximum profit and rent until the market takes a dump. Right. Because it's not too far off. Like we talked about before, it's not too far off. It's, it's like I said, no one knows when that last snowflake is going to cause that avalanche to freaking pummel down the mountain. Well, and that's what we talked you know, about this too. When you said that was that the game that you're playing, which is, I think is a smart game the way you're doing it, but the gamble with what you're doing is obviously because you're also paying elevated rent right now compared to like what it was, let's say two years ago or whatever um, in your area, obviously respectively. So you're paying a little extra more rent because they know the housing prices. The people who are renting it are probably, you know, they should, if they're not idiots, they're aware of that as well. So you're paying a little long. So even though you're overpaying, so to speak for rent right now, that is still, as long as you make, depending, obviously it's all ratios of how much you made in profit and all that other stuff. So that's where you have to play that balancing game. Cause obviously if you, if you can't get into a house for, let's say another six years, you have to rent for six years. Let's say worst case scenario, because the housing market goes silly. Um, then it might not be a good thing that you did. You see what I'm saying? In the in that in that long period of time, but I don't think it's going to do that. Like you said, I think we're very close to a, a reset of stuff. There is no way that this economy, that this market, is going to go on for another six years. Oh, I don't. Without, I, I do. Without, I, I'm not saying without it will. a serious, without a serious crash, because it's just we are in financial territory that this country has never been in before i mean it, it's like you know it's the great unknown at this point and yeah i mean uh and the only answer the fed has is like they've had you know you know when it when in doubt keep the printing presses going right. you know and that's exactly and, and just you know everything's kind of creating a perfect storm right now i mean you've got all of this i mean just just with in, in less than a year look at the inflation rate i mean just just look at when you go to the gas pump you know, but people don't want to believe this until it hits their backyard, and usually people's backyard is the gas pump. But, um, I mean, if if people want to know, this is what – if you want to gauge something, just gauge it this way. This is what will scare you the most And when I talk about money printing. You take every dollar that has come into existence since the beginning of this country, every dollar – Almost 40% of those dollars were printed the past year and a half. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And think about that for a second. What does that cause? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's economic shutdowns, what it's going to cause eventually. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's only, and then, of course, you've got, you know, this $3.5 trillion, you know, infrastructure bill, which another key point that people need to understand that makes no sense that it's going to cost nothing. How is that possible? Yeah. How is that possible? It's like, but then simultaneously something that was part of that bill is he wants to basically weaponize the IRS 87,000 more IRS agents that are going to put everybody's, you know, financial situation and their bank accounts under a microscope for any transaction that anybody in this country has down to about $600 is going to be looked at. Yep. That is effing Nazi Germany at its best and why people don't see that. I don't understand. I mean, there's a lot of huge amount of people in this country that see that and are screaming, you know, to the high heavens, but then there's, there's that, 
group of people that just don't even want to believe it. They, they, no, uh, nothing's happening. This is America. It'll work itself out. Well, yeah, I'm, like I've said before, I'm sure uh, Zimbabwe thought that. I'm sure, you know, Venezuela thought that. I'm sure, you know, the Weimar Republic back in the day in Germany thought that. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it's fucking ridiculous. Excuse my way of putting it. But people are just not going to, uh, they're not going to wake up to these, these things until it hits their backyard and then it's too late. Yeah. You know, no, I, and it, I mean, and then on top of that, you know, I'll, I'll add this one little tidbit that everybody knows already, but how our great president wants to give a half a million dollars to every illegal immigrant that came into this country illegally that was separated from their family. Of course, he says the ones that were separated from their family during the Trump administration. He wants to give every single one of them a half a million dollars, which means if there's a family of four that were separated, that's a half a million dollars a piece. That's $2 million. Right. What sense does that make? Right. I want $2 you know? million. Dollars. Well, no, it's like, okay, if you, if you want to give, if you, if you want to give money like that, to anybody in this country, give it to the vets. Yeah. Give it to the people that need it. Give it to the people that have the immigrants that have come here legally. Cause all you're doing is you're slapping them in the face. They did everything the right way. The, the immigrants that, you know, came to this country, did it the right way, the legal way. And now you're basically telling them that, you know what, it doesn't matter that you did that. Cause we're just going to reward people for immigrating to this country illegally. Yeah. You're incentivizing the wrong people. It's not, it's, it's and like not- I said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to sound like, look, I'm not trying to make it sound like I have a problem with somebody wanting to come to this country to, to better their lives. I have no problem with that. You know, I, I think it's awesome, but you got to do it the right way. Yeah. And by that, by the way, you're saying that that won't be promoting the right way. They'll be promoting the wrong way, you know, cause you'll incentivize the wrong side. Sounds as dumb. Well, yeah, but the other thing is look at, look at, look at what you're paying for. I mean, that money we're paying for that. Well, yeah, obviously, just like yeah. we're paying, we're, we're just like, even though, you know, the powers that be in the white house don't want to, they want to say that, Oh, it's not going to cost us anything. We're paying for the $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill. That's going to go down as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's as simple as that. So anybody that believes that this is for free, no, we're going to pay for it. And what happens, you know, when we take on more debt like that after the, especially the amount of debt that we've taken on, not only from 2008, but just within the past year and a half, two years when the pandemic started. I mean, this is economic territory that this country has never seen before. So no one really knows exactly what's going to happen. I mean, I can tell you what I think is going to happen. Right. We're in an everything bubble right now. When this goes down, in my opinion, it's going to be worse than, you know, 1929. You know, it's going to be a different time, you know, and things are going to be different, but it's, it is going to be harsh. But people don't want to believe that until it's too late. Not everybody, because there's a lot of people that are shouting exactly what I'm saying. But there's a lot of people that just don't believe it. Just like they didn't believe that, you know, the housing market was going to crash, you know, 12 years ago. Until it was too late. And then and then they list, they get their financial advice from the same people that told them that it would never happen back then. Yeah, the same fuckers, that were, the that, same fuckers that were bailed out by the government. For what they what knew and what they did, yeah. If that's not the definition of insanity, I don't know what is. I mean, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, except, you know, Expecting thinking different that you're going to get a different response. Yeah. It's 
you know, it, it's absolutely asinine. And I don't mean to I'll get off my high horse, but this is shit that I just, it's right in front of people's face and they don't want to take a look at it. You know, like I said, I'm not saying when I say people, I'm not saying everybody. Cause like I said, there's a huge, massive amount of this country that saying exactly what I'm saying right now. Yeah, I agree. Cause it's, it's common sense, you know, and, but people just, are not going to want to believe it until it's too late. Yeah, no, and, I agree. I mean, wh- when you've got, what do you think is going to happen? You know, not only, like I said, the money we've printed since 2008, but just within the past two years when it accelerated exponentially because of the pandemic and all of the stimulus. And then now you've got supply chain issues and things are going to possibly lock down again. You've got, situation where people are not complying to the mask mandates and, and, and vaccine mandates, which I agree with, um, which I, I agree with them not complying because it's their right. doesn't mean that I'm anti-vax, but you've got all of this basically stirring together into a perfect storm. What do you think is going to happen next? Yeah. You think the economy is just going to be fucking great? No, it's going to take a nosedive and people need to understand that. Sorry. I'll get off my high horse, man. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Bobby's rant. <laughs> it's just going to be a new segment of this podcast. <laughs> I think it already is a segment. <laughs> I love when you get fired up, dude. That's fucking awesome. No, I got to get my blood pressure down. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Usa. Usa. Let, me get, let me get some Zen tea real quick. Awesome. <laughs> <Some> chamomile. <laughs> no, it's just something that, like I said, it is something that is common sense and the financial world has tried to make difficult to understand when it's not just so people won't take a look at it. And, um, you know, but people need to start taking care of their own backyards and taking care of themselves and looking at these issues because the ultimate people that it's going to affect is them. Yeah. You know, these politicians don't give a shit about you. Right. I'm not saying all of them, you know, there's a lot of politicians out there that I think are doing, you know, good people like Dan Crenshaw, you know, or, you know, you know, a lot of our veterans that have gone into politics that have seen things on all sides and they literally want to make changes because they've seen, you know, a lot of the shit side, especially on the battlefield that they want to make changes, you know, but when it comes to these career politicians, not going to name any names, they're career politicians, they're puppets, they're puppets to the, you know, the special interest groups. You know, what have they done besides politic, you know, politics, their whole professional life? Right. Which our is, president included. Yeah. Like all politics, mainly, uh, for, like you said, the, the, the nonstop politicians, like you said, are all usually scumbags because they have to lie and stuff to get their way in. You know, that's what well, they do. I don't care. I don't care if you like Trump. I don't care if you hate Trump. I don't care if you like Biden. I don't care if you hate Biden. I don't care. My whole point is. Take the names out of it. Just take those two administrations. Look at the two. And I want people to ask themselves a serious question. The current administration, what have they done to make your life better? Look, ask yourself that question. Yeah. What have they done? Oh, I agree. How has, your, how has your life improved the past year? I know I pay more in yeah. gas. I know that. You know, and, and for all the people, like I said, I don't care if people like Trump. I don't care if they hate him. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm neutral. I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I am a middle of the road guy. You know, I've got a lot of liberal view, beliefs. I've got a lot of conservative beliefs. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I am not either or, but one thing I will say is that it just seems to me there are so many people out there to where if you ask them, so the current administration, how, how have they bettered your life the past year? I guarantee you a lot of them would say, well, at least Trump's not in office. <laughs> it's like, is that all you got? Is yeah. that, you know, how ridiculous that sounds. It's like, so your hate for some dude is stronger than your love for America and prosperity. What, what, what is, what is wrong with you? You know, it's like, it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't care what side of the fence you're on, you know, right is right. Wrong is wrong. That's how I weigh it out. Yeah. But too many people in this country worry about like, what color tie they're wearing as opposed to what they're actually talking about. You know, and it's like, I need to check my blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get, <laughs> let's get off politics before we go insane here. Um, did you want to talk about your, uh, and that's what politics are. It's fucking insanity. It, well, I agree with that. Yeah. But in a lot of respects, you can't avoid it because a lot of times it's ridiculous politics, which dictates your life. Yeah. As far as, what you can and can't do economically, you know, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. That's what sucks. So, you know, but sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. Like I said, you took, you took a baby step down then jump back up. So I'm just making, right. making sure you're actually off the box this time. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. All right. I'm off. Okay. Did, did you want to go into your, your personal story or what do you want to do with that? Oh yeah. I'll tell my personal story. Man. Yeah, yeah. Go on, man. Right, it right into, yeah. It leads into kind of what you were talking about. anyway. Oh. I'm all fired up, man. If I stroke out during this conversation, I apologize. But um, no, I uh, I'm gonna share something. I'm gonna be transparent about something that I was pretty neutral on early on, and when we started this podcast, we've had conversations about this very topic, which I'm about to talk to, which I'm I'm about to talk about the uh, the jab. Um, one of the things that uh, I will be transparent about what I've been doing was uh. Even though I'm in this line of work where I treat these patients all the time, these, you know, uh, patients that are infected with the Rona, you know, whether they're, you know, young adults, you know, middle-aged, elderly, you know, um, teens, uh, I opted for myself not to get the jab. And it's not because I'm anti-vax. It's because... I something didn't set right with me and there was not enough data out there. There was not. And I'm just speaking for me personally. I'm not speaking for anybody else because I don't, you know, like I've said before, if you want to get it or you don't, that's your choice. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Um, I agree with that hundred percent. You know, and the choice I made for myself is I'm holding off. I'm holding off because I want better data out there. I don't want to put something in my body where one, they're not really telling me what it is. Two, there really isn't any data out there that says it's effective. And three, there's more data out there that says it's more harmful than effective and vice versa. You know, some people will say, well, that's just your opinion. Yeah, it is my opinion, but it's also research that I've done for myself. I'm not trying to glom this on anybody else. I'm just speaking for myself. Um, so I uh, decided, you know, I was going to hold off 
I was going to hold off as long as I could. My marker was April, April 2022, because I'm going to be going to Hawaii and um, to spread my aunt's ashes because um, Hawaii is one of her favorite places, as was mine. And, you know, her husband, her son, you know, um, a lot of people in my family, I mean, we love the place. So, and since, you know, Hawaii is kind of tight, which I understand about as far as the rules and regulations, because, you know, they're out in the middle of the Pacific, you know, they're, you know, a group of islands in the middle of the Pacific. So they're a little bit more tight on things. I get it. So yeah. Yeah, they're like, don't come fuck up this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I was going to hold off until then, hoping that maybe they would change the rules, you know, but, uh, you know, I didn't work out that way because the more time went on, the more, you know, the new administration decided to tighten the noose and basically put the squeeze on to make anybody who didn't want to get the vaccine, they were going to make it hard for you to pretty much do anything. And now what we're seeing now is it's, it's even hard to keep your job um, in a lot of areas. Yeah. We've talked about that. that before in private broadcast right. too. Right. So I had to weigh it out. I looked at it this way because now since with my job, I had until the end of November to get it. And I had to weigh it out like this. Why put my career in jeopardy? Do I want to get this? No, I don't. But why put my career in jeopardy when I'm still going to have to get it anyway in April? Because the way I weighed it out is I'm not going to miss spreading my aunt's ashes. And I'm not going to miss maybe one of the last times that my whole family gets together in one place. So I wait, I'm willing to risk my life for my family. And that's the only reason why I got it is because I'm not going to miss, you know, that time with my family when I don't know how many of those times I have left. Well, I think, and I think that's a big thing that a lot of people are um, obviously coming to those decisions, uh, whichever way they want to go with it is their business. But that's a lot of the stuff too, because it's, you know, there's other things in your life that will be affected by that decision, whether whichever way you decide to go with it. And it depends right. on what you want to do. You know what I mean? Like you said, you want to be able to do that stuff and you don't want to have to deal with any BS as it gets closer to the point where some, maybe you can't go or something, you know, maybe it could change all by then too. We don't know. We all hope so. Obviously that we can just get past this at some point. I think everybody wants that, but you know, until then you got to kind of decide what, what's, what do you want to do? Do you want, what things do you want to miss out on, on the way there, which is also set up by them by design, I believe. Right. And, and let me be clear once again, what I am saying right now is what I chose for myself. Right. I don't press that on anybody. Like I've said before, people need to do what they feel like they need to do. Period. It doesn't matter. Like what I do may not be good for somebody else. What someone else does may not be good for me. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I, the point I is don't, though- I, I'm not saying that the vaccine is good or bad. I am just, you know, well, due to censorship, I probably shouldn't have said vaccine, yeah. the jab. You know, it's not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that, like I've always said, at this early stage in the game, it still should be a choice. And to put the squeeze on and for people to look down on people who don't want to get it for their own reasons, I mean, the shaming's got to stop. So, you know, that's that's how I feel. And, it's 
that I did that for myself. That's how I gauged it out because it's like I'm not going to put my gym, my it, it would be stupid if I refused to get it had to resign or retire only to have to get it 2 months down the road, 3 months down the road. Right. You know, so I just, you know, I made my decision. Well, and that's that brings up a good point cuz um I talked to my my tax lady last year or this year I guess, but earlier this year when we do our taxes and stuff. Um, we were talking about it too, and about the jab and all that stuff. And, you know, what are your feelings? How's it going to go? Kind of thing like that. We were talking about all, all that. And I was like, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, cause I was like, I don't know if they'll ever, you know, mandate it. Cause I don't know if that's technically legal and I don't want to get into all those issues because everybody has their opinions on that. But yeah. I was like, but what they're going to do. And I, and I told her this, this is like in February. I was like, but what they're going to do is they're going to make it so that in order to do things that you want to do, you have to have it. That's how they'll get around it. That's how they'll skirt tail around it. It's like what corporations do this stuff all the time. That that's, that's what they'll do. So, you know, they'll do like, Oh, you want to travel? Like I, I do, you know, I'm a realtor and I also do a travel agent stuff. I also have a travel agency. So you, you Oh, you want to go like for me, it was like, do you want to go on a cruise? Oh, cool. Well, then you have to do this. You know, you, you know, do you want to go? Like you said, do you want to go do, your part is actually travel too. Do you want to go to Hawaii? Well, you right now you have to do this. Everything, anything could change before then, but right now you have to do this. You know, so it becomes that. Do you want to do this? Do you want to go to a concert? Do you want to go to a baseball game? Do you want to go to a football game? They're going to find ways to, to do that, you know? Right, and, that, and then it can still fall back on by saying, well, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't say you had to get it, but of course they're putting squeeze on, and little by little they're, they actually are forcing you to get it because they're making it hard to live your life. Right, right. And putting the squeeze on, tightening the noose. Right, and, uh so, but then they can still fall back on saying, hey, we didn't force you to get it. Well, and that's why I think like the yeah. way you were talking about earlier, it makes a lot of sense because yes, you, you made the decision, but the point is you made the decision. You didn't make the decision because, I mean, yes, you were influenced by other things. Like you had to think about like, is it smart to retire now? Will I lose money in the long run? Like you had to figure all that out and like weigh the pros and cons and all like that. But eventually you came to a decision that you made. You didn't come to a decision that your boss said, Hey, you have till 1 PM today or you're fired. Like you didn't have that. You, you did it on your time and on your terms. And I think that's what everybody should do, whatever your opinion is, you know? And that's the point, Jason. The point is it is your decision. Like a lot of these, a lot of these firefighters and cops and, you know, emergency workers that, especially like in big cities like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, whatnot, that are refusing to do that. They're not anti-jab because a lot of us, as you know, like we've said before, we've had to have more vaccines to hold this type of job right. than a lot of people walking the planet. Yep. So I don't think we're anti-vax. Right. But, you know, when you're going to make it mandatory for someone to get something that is literally still in the test phase except has been put out due to emergency situations and we're basically on a global test phase because that's basically what it is right you know no one knows what the outcome of this is going to be no one knows what the long-term problems are going to be that's something that no one's really willing to discuss or willing to just put it to the side and that is what a lot of people have a problem with and plus for the sole reason if you're gonna if you're saying i have to put something in my body that i don't want to you're going against my rights and civil liberties and you're, you're putting a squeeze on saying, I'm not going to be able to provide, you know, you know, to be able to put food on the table to provide for my family. 
if I don't do it. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people have a problem with. And that's, and I'll say this once again, I've said it before. This country wasn't founded on that bullshit. Yeah. That's, that's what we escaped that type of behavior and came over here and crossed the pond. Yep. Two reasons to escape, you know, a tyrannical kingdom yeah, say tyranny, yeah. and taxes, Yep. you know, those two reasons basically in a nutshell, you know, but look what's going on right now. And I know people are probably listening. They're probably like, Dude, shut the fuck up, man. It's like, how many times are you guys going to talk about this? It's like, you know, I, I understand that. I, I get it. But it's, I just don't want to see people give away their civil liberties little by little in the name of fear or the name of security. And then before you know it and they finally see the light, it's too, it's too late. You know? Yeah, and I just want people to make their right. own, make their own, make like we we said this before. We're kind of beating a dead horse here a little bit, but like just make your own. It, it changes weekly. Obviously, Bobby just had his his um. It affected his personal life, so obviously that's why it's topical today for our conversation today. But like, just make your own decisions, people. Like, if you feel comfortable doing it, great. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, that's also great. Stick to your guns on whatever way you feel. You know, unless something else comes along that helps change your way, like a like a you learn more history or more data or something. like that. Just don't lose track of common sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, you know, like we've said before, if you got the jab to protect yourself, then why in God's name are you still afraid of people that haven't gotten it? Isn't that the reason why you got it in the first place was to protect yourself against that? Exactly. That is the common sense that I'm talking about. Yeah, and that's the common sense I can't stand when I hear people arguing the other side of that, you know, or just like, you're like, but you got you got protection. So if you have protection on, you shouldn't be worried. You know, you're wearing a bulletproof you vest, and you believe in it. Yeah, if you believe in a bulletproof vest, and you put a bulletproof vest on, and you and you're not, and you're then you shouldn't be worried about getting shot where the bulletproof vest is anymore. Like you shouldn't be worried about that anymore because you that's you bought you you believe that that will protect you and it's protecting you. You know, whatever that that should be it. But that's not what they're doing. They're doing because now they're like, oh, now they they got their way because they got what they wanted out of it. And now they're trying to push it on other people, which shows that they really don't believe. It but they're just you know whatever i don't want i don't want to get into all that because it just starts pissing me off more and more but basically just make your own fucking decision do what you think is right we're all going to have our own uh, epiphany like you said or 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 like a time in our lives when it when it makes sense to make the decision whether it be like you said a financial decision a fun decision a travel decision a whatever decision you can business decision whatever you want to say but you make that decision when you come to it Right. That's, I, I had to gauge it that way because, and I'm not going to lie to you. It was, uh, that was very hard for me Yeah, because, uh, it went against every fiber in the fabric that I believe in. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, it, it, it messed with my head for a little bit, but yeah. I had to weigh it out the way I weighed it out engage it. And I did what I had to do. And, well, uh, and that's why I look at it too. At least you waited too. Because mm-hmm. every day you wait to do it, I'm not saying you should wait to do it. That's your decision on what you want to do. I'm not telling people to do whatever they want. Pick your own thing. We're not doctors or whatever. But, but like every time, every day you wait is another day for more data to come in that'll help help you make that much more of a decision on whatever you want to do. You know, whether it be pro or con, you you can decide that. So every day, you know, every month that goes by, they have a little more data. They have a little more data. They have a little more data. You know, and like right, and like you know, like we've talked about before. Ever since this this whole 
you know, pandemic situation started, I've been on the front lines treating these patients like a lot of other people in this country and the world more than anybody else. And knock on wood, I haven't had a problem. And that's without the jab. Right. So, you know, did I pretty much have it back in January of, of 2020? Yeah, I think I did. I can't confirm it because there wasn't a way to test it back then as, as you know, easily as now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that that's what it was because I, it was, I wasn't that sick, but it was a, it was a type of illness that I'd never experienced before. You know, just the way how fast it came on and how fast it was gone, you know, and uh, I think, uh, you know, isn't the point of a, of a, of a jab, isn't it, isn't the point of that basically trying to get as close to natural immunity as you can, (laughs) you know, so you're protected. Yeah. So, you know, but that's another thing that in my opinion is not being talked about as much as natural immunity. They're just pushing it aside. You know, but uh, like I said, I'll, I'll shut up. You know, we're, you know, we can go on that about for that that topic for days. You know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know people, especially myself. Even though I keep blabbering on about, it, I know everybody's so tired of talking about it. Yeah, and apparently we can do it yeah. for multiple podcasts too. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, I mean, I think because it's a topic that just it just seems like it changes. Or it gets worse every every day that goes by. It seems like you know, or it just gets different, yeah. you know, or it it just or it just that news tightens, you know, it, it intensifies, you know, and it just yeah. So anyway, all right. So let's talk about the other, moving on. The other EMS issue we want to talk about this week was uh, liability issues. Um, and uh, Bobby, you want to take that? or You want me to start with it? Go ahead, dude. All right. So one well, of the things well, we want to talk about. Now. Yeah, you, you guys have calmed down. You, yeah, you guys, anybody that's in the business, or even if you're not in the business, you kind of see this on the on the uh, civilian side too. Um, there's a liability issue with like we'll just use we'll start off with urgent cares. Oh, actually, let's start off with uh hotline nurse hotline call phone calls or calls to a hospital. If you were to call a hospital, um, and we I had I experienced this numerous times in the field when I was a paramedic. Um, someone's sick. They're having whatever symptoms. It doesn't really matter. They, they call the hospital and they ask the, you know, the ER, let's say they talk to someone in the ER and they ask somebody in the ER, Hey, I'm having these sort of symptoms. And then of course that hospital, whoever that person is that answers their phone is going to, you know, be like, okay, well, best thing we can tell you to do is come to the ER. Okay. And then of course we get, they call nine one, we get there for whatever those same symptoms were. We look at them, we check all their vital signs out, all that other stuff. And then we tell them like, look, from what we can tell, everything looks you know, great. All your stuff looks normal, um, but if you if you you know if you're still un- uncomfortable about it, you can go to the ER. So, and then they'll say, "Oh yeah, well the nurse," or maybe they don't want to go, but then they're like, "Well, the nurse at the hospital told me I had to go to the hospital, or I needed to go to the hospital." The nurse that I called on the phone, or the nurse I called at my doctor's office, or whatever after hours, those those phone numbers you can call after hours and stuff like that. And I, we would always tell them like, "Well, yeah, that's that that their li- that's their liability. They have to tell you that. They're not going to tell you, oh, stay home because if you, God forbid, were to die." And someone found out you made that call and they told you that they could be liable for all that and how, yeah. and how much of a drama and then a toll that kind of stuff plays on our system. When, when you're in EMS, how much, how taxing that is on the system, not necessarily. It's not saying it's a bad taxing thing, but it does add to the system because you have 
especially with an urgent care, which is, which is um, staffed by a doctor. There's at least one doctor there. There's probably some nurse practitioners, maybe some PAs, um, and then some techs and stuff like that, and just nurses and stuff like that. But they always call 911 when stuff, like they're not sure about stuff, you know, instead of sometimes some of the stuff gets taken. I, I felt in the field we were taken advantage of in that stuff because some of the stuff you're just like, well, you can just drive yourself to the hospital if you want to. And they would say, you know, because they're not having like a life-threatening whatever. And they would say, oh, the doctor said I can't. You know, because liability reasons, they can't say they can't let them do that. You know? And I was like, well, they can't force you to do anything. It's your, you're an adult. You can make your own decisions on what you want to do, you know? So what's your thoughts on that? No, I, I completely agree. I mean, especially you're absolutely right when you said that when a lot of people, because we, we run a lot of a lot of calls where, People call to some nurse hotline before they call us or the nurse hotline tells them to call us because, like you said, um, no one, especially these nurse hotlines, they don't want to accept the liability. So they're going to tell you in a majority of cases that, yeah, you either need to go to the emergency room or call 911 because, if, like you said, if, if, if they tell you, nah, you're fine, just, just, just watch it for a little bit and just see how it goes and God forbid you – that, you know, they die or something, something happens to them, you know, they can be liable, you know, and they, no one, no one wants to accept that responsibility. So, I mean, they're going to, they're going to tell you usually one of those two things, you need to go to the emergency room or call 911 either, or you need to hit, you need to be seen. Um, and you know, and it happens a lot of places, like for instance, uh, where I work, um, when it comes to a lot of local daycare centers, uh, one of the rules now, apparently, what we've recently found out, is a lot of these daycare centers, and it sounds like due to liability reasons that – and think about this for a second, people. They're saying every time a child falls or trips, they have they are going to have to call 911. Think about that for a second, especially all the parents out there. It's like that that's what kids do. Right. They fall and trip. So – but what I'm talking about is they're, they're going to call 911 every single time. Like, say a kid trips in the playground, you know, and a lot of these playgrounds, a lot of these daycare centers now, they're 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 soft playgrounds with that that rubber mulch that you you know that those just like usually ground up old tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like track stuff. Um, yeah, but like like I don't know how many times you know when I was a kid, you know, kids fall. That's just what they do, you know, especially when they're playing around. They're not going to get hurt every single time, yeah. but. The rule is now with some of these places, um, you know, you know, maybe it's changed when I go back on ship. I don't know, but uh, yeah, probably not. yeah, that was that was the word last time or the other week is that every time a child falls or trips, they are obligated to call nine one one, and that just makes zero sense to me. I mean, granted. When kids, a lot of times when kids fall, yeah, they'll split their head open or something will happen. Yeah, they need our attention, but there's plenty of times when kids just trip playing and they're completely fine, and it's an unnecessary, you know, phone call that these people at the daycare center need to make by calling us. Well, yeah, will, I'm, I'm going to put that out there because it's it's the truth. Well, we we kind of talked uh, pre-show a little bit about this, but uh, we even had where I worked. Um, in our in well, I've worked in multiple different stations, but in one of our first dues, we had a uh, a Geico building. It was like one of the big Geico buildings, um, and they had 
It was a huge building. Held, I don't know how many employees worked there. A lot. It's hundreds. And, um, and their policy there, which we found out through being in the fire department, um, was if you're sick, because uh, they have a nurse there. They have a nurse on site. Um, they have like a little, little, I don't want to say mini ER room. It's not really that big of stuff in there, but they have a little nurse's office kind of thing. And if you're sick there, at, that, at least in that particular building, if you're an employee and you get sick, you don't just call out sick. Like a normal job, you just, hey, I'm not coming to work. Um, but at this place, you had to go to work always. Um, or, of course, if you went to the hospital, that would count too, obviously. But go to, the work, go to work, then you had to go see said nurse in their little office room. They would check your vitals, check all the stuff, and, you know, of course, do, your, do a whole report on you and stuff like that. And then they would have three options. That nurse, he or she would be able to obviously tell you to go to work. You know, like, because you're not going to be excused because whatever you're uh, having dealing with is not a big deal. Or they're going to tell you to go home. So you had to come all the way in just to go home. Or you had to go by ambulance to the hospital. Those were the three things. And that's how we got pulled into it because we started getting all these calls all the time, like routinely in the mornings only, mainly because that's when people are coming to work, obviously. Um, and for the most part, that's when we would get all these calls. And we're like, what is going on? And they explained to us the, their policy of what they were doing. And we're like, this is asinine, <laughs> you know, because like some of these patients you are like, do you want to go to the hospital? And they're like, no, and I'm like, well, she don't want to go. And then you have to, and they, then the nurse gets involved. And of course the nurse tells them like they have to go. And then, you know, and then we obviously just can't take them like that. You know what I mean? So then eventually they convince them to go because otherwise they'll get like an unexcused absence or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what they call it at Geico. Um, but that's kind of what they had to go through. And it was, it was insane because, you know, maybe, I don't know. Out of the hundred calls I went there, maybe there was one that was like a real call, you know, like a real trouble breathing or a real something, something, you know, that's not like a panic attack or something like that. And then out of all the other ones were like pretty much resolved when we got there, <laughs> you know, and it's just that same sort of thing. But their liability said that if their nurse says this, then these are what you have to do. And this is and then that's when we get pulled into the, the system, you know, and liability reasons at that point, if the nurse says you know, they're in column A, well, then they can't go by themselves anymore because liability issues, like we said. So some of that stuff does play into it where because of other people, like in that sense, a corporation's policy made us busier when it had the patients all stayed home, for instance, and just be able to call out sick for like on their own, like a normal, you know, adult job or whatever like that. Maybe that one person who actually went to the hospital would have called us and maybe a handful of other ones, but not a hundred of them, not a hundred out of the hundred, you know? Right. So, and that did, that did definitely like, you know, it would tax the system sometimes because sometimes you'd have like two or three calls out of there all at the same time because everybody, of course, it, at a job like that, it's a nine to five job or whatever. So everybody's coming in at the same time. So that's just kind of what we're talking about there. So use your common sense, people. If you're going to the hospital, if you feel like you need to go to the hospital, if it's to the point where you're worried about going to the hospital, like you're thinking about calling 911, safest bet probably is to call at that point. Um, but, you know, just use your common sense. That's all I want to say. <laughs> and that's what it boils down to, brother, is common sense. Yeah. I mean, should be, that should be the title of this episode, Common Sense. <laughs> that's actually a good idea. Yeah. yeah I'm no, game. I'm yeah, game. Yeah, we'll put that. We'll do, we'll do, we'll do that. Would you want to add anything else for the, for the week here? I just want to say one thing. I apologize for bringing up the jab once again. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, I, I accept your apology. Okay, you're, you're probably not talking to me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but 
it's just something that just keeps creeping up constantly. So that being said, I apologize. Hey, you don't need to apologize, man. This is this is unscripted. We're going to talk about what we want to talk to. Hopefully, you like listening to it. We appreciate the continued support. Um, like we said, this is our tenth episode, so we're pretty pumped about that. Um, we know we've slacked off on a couple uh, delays and stuff here and there that are, like we said, we both have jobs and stuff like that. So sometimes scheduling becomes a uh, an issue. But we're getting through that stuff. We're trying to get that through. So we appreciate the continued support. And unless you have anything else, Bobby, let's wrap this up, man. No, I will say that. Certain uh, terminology that we use uh, will probably get maybe censored because of the way things are right now, you know, especially when it comes to uh, YouTube. So um, uh, that might be an issue, but other than that, yeah, let's wrap it up, bro. That's right. Roll the dice, pimp. All right. Well, we'll see you next week then on Paramedics. Completely. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, Bobby, get it right. Paramedics? Unscripted. Uh-huh.